I'm DM. Welcome to Still I Try. Today I'm going to be talking about parenting expectations versus reality. I was totally better at this whole thing and could make everyone happy when I was parenting my imaginary children hypothetically. So let's be real. Growing up with my parents, I was never under the impression that having kids was going to be this amazing, joyous experience. They were the first to tell me that it sucked, that it was really hard, that they weren't having a particularly good time, and that my sibling and I frustrated them to no end. But despite how much it apparently sucked for them, my mom especially seemed to be under the impression that it wouldn't suck for me when I became a parent. I was often told that I would be a good mother, whatever that means, because of my personality. I was a pretty unobtrusive kid. I spoke softly but didn't carry a big stick. I was patient and introspective. I was just quiet and didn't yell or get explosively angry, and I guess those are traits that are socially acceptable for someone born with a uterus who identifies as a female to display. I suppose for my mom, at least, this is what a good mother did. And as I met more people and got older, I heard the same thing, that I'd be a good mom, that I was quote-unquote maternal, that it was something that suit me. I was often described as kind or nice, and I think that probably had a lot to do with it. But the reality is that, sure, I'm a patient person, but especially so when I'm living with people who will go ballistic if I'm not. I mean, being anything other than patient and quiet, especially when I was a kid, was going to turn out bad for me, so I kept all of my feelings close to my chest. And sure, I was nice, but there is so much more to being a parent than just being nice. But being told something all the time, I kind of started to believe it. And that's the illusory truth effect. And familiarity can overpower rationality, so there were parts of me that believed I could be a good mother, especially because I felt very strongly about being the opposite of my parents. I don't think I felt this way to my core. I was always skeptical, and I felt very strongly about not wanting kids when I was younger, but it felt more socially acceptable to just roll with it and think positively. I had it in my head that good parents were supposed to sacrifice all the things for their kids. And I guess some of this was just informed by feeling as a child that I wasn't important or a priority to my parents. My parents didn't want to make many changes for the sake of their reality, and I know I wanted to be nothing like them. You know, for example, my dad was never around because he prioritized playing guitar at the bar with his friends when my brother and I just wanted to see him sometimes. And to me, it seemed to make sense that he would put some of that to the side for the sake of us. But at the same time, I really internalized all the things that my parents said about not changing their life just because they had kids. They often told me that You know, you don't adjust your life to your baby. You make them adjust to you. My mom talked a lot about how she went camping at two days postpartum, how she never baby-proofed anything, had crystal displayed on tables, and my sibling and I just had to learn to deal with it. And surely my own kid would just learn to deal with whatever their life was like, right? And that made sense, too. 
On the other hand, I was also getting messages from society in general that told me that parents needed to change everything and sacrifice everything for their kids. Not just crystal on tables or nights here and there at the bar, but hobbies, desires, your relationship with your spouse. Anything under the sun was worth it to give up for the sake of your children. And this was legitimately told to me verbatim. It was all so contradictory. Don't change, but change everything. I didn't really have a cohesive idea of how I was going to meld these expectations. I was just going to do things perfectly according to my own moral compass and according to my parents and according to society somehow. Before I was even pregnant, I started to read Janet Lansbury's blog about respectful parenting and thought I was just going to be a respectful parent without any difficulty whatsoever because wasn't I already inherently a person who just had a personality primed for it? Patient, kind, quiet, it wasn't going to be that hard, so I thought. I also had really high expectations of myself in other areas, which was informed by my regional culture, my own opinions that I had formed without any real knowledge. I just had these ideas and I was going to go with it. I always said when I was pregnant that I was going to start the way I wished to continue. My baby was going to sleep in a crib in their own room as soon as we got home. They weren't going to be swaddled because the Rye philosophy, R-I-E, which stands for Resources for Infant Educators and is a version of respectful parenting, deemed it to be disrespectful. Um, I thought that she was going to have at least one feed, but probably two, done by dad with a pumped bottle at night, and I was going to be the epitome of a Pacific Northwesterner, hiking and camping and backpacking, all the things I was already doing, but now just with my baby in tow. It was good for everyone's mental health to get outside, and I was definitely going to make it a priority. I was going to do baby-led weaning because the internet moms say purees are evil or unnecessary or stupid. I was going to cloth diaper because what kind of a monster sends more plastic into landfills and spends money on something disposable. I was going to buy only wooden toys, dresser, and only natural fibers. The things that all the moms who had the internet cred did. Everyone told me that you instantly love your baby. My mom told me that the moment I was born, she physically felt herself change. Like she had this top to bottom tingling sensation and she became a different person. That made me feel good because I was like, oh, okay, something's going to happen to endear the stranger to me. Another person told me that they instantly had more capacity to love when their child was born, which again gave me hope and I thought I would probably love my kid because of some combination of hormones and excitement and I'd love them more than life itself. The internet made it seem like everything was awesome and you can just cuddle on the couch and look into their eyes or go for peaceful walks with a stroller. And furthermore, it was something respectful and quote-unquote loving or good parents did. Perhaps more than anything, though, there was this expectation of boundless love. You were a monster or ungrateful if you didn't love every minute and feel thankful for every night waking. Because even if it was hard, 
at least you have a child to love. And even if it's hard, one day it'll be over and you'll miss it. So you have to be grateful in the here and now. Everyone had it all together and it wasn't hard unless you made it hard. And it was like I had it all together. I knew what I, what I was going to be, what was going to happen. And my life would barely change and the ways it would change would be completely worth it and the baby would fit right in and I would love this person and we would live happily ever after. And then I gave birth. (laughs) My first thought was literally, she's not cute. And I definitely did not feel love. I felt energized because of hormones and I was happy to not be in labor, but not happy to have a baby. Nothing about me changed the moment she was born, except for maybe my title and the state of my perineum. I hadn't been transformed in any way. I just wanted to go back home and forget it happened. I just wanted my old life back immediately. I was so disappointed that I hadn't instantly become a different person and felt truly like a mother, and that made me really scared. Like, I was a parent for a matter of hours, and I was already catastrophically messing it up. This was not supposed to happen. And then I thought that maybe I just needed to go home and back to my normal routine, and I would feel differently. But I didn't. I was still the same. I still didn't feel love. I just felt like, what just happened? My husband told me that he bonded with Emerson in the hospital, And I was like, uh, how? I asked if he loved her and he said yes. And I was just like, yeah, totally, me too. I'm so happy. And it was really awkward. And even to this day, I just don't understand it. So I already had my expectations shattered before I even took my first postpartum poop. And then going home, there were definitely some things that changed and reality was way different than I planned. I kissed the start the way you wish to continue thing I harped on about goodbye with a quickness. The sleeping in different rooms thing? Yeah, that didn't happen. The AAP recommends co-sleeping or sleeping in the same room on separate surfaces for at least six months. And this is something I knew when I had made it up in my mind that my baby would sleep in a crib in her own room back when I was pregnant. But paying attention to this recommendation also involves some sort of caring that I just didn't possess at the time or after I gave birth. I was really depressed and I honestly just didn't care. I didn't have the capacity to and I wasn't thinking clearly. But we got home and I just put a pack and play at the foot of the bed and we did the co-sleeping after all. And to be honest, the only reason I shared a room with her was because of shame. I felt bad because I didn't feel connected to her and I thought that sharing a room with her would help me to somehow love her or at the very least convince other people, especially my husband, that I loved her and I just didn't. I knew that I should but I didn't and I was going to do whatever it took to be perfect in the world's eyes so I went the fake it till you make it route. It wasn't starting the way I wish to continue, but I was doing what so many people wanted to see me do and what the AAP ultimately recommended, so whatever. I also made the nursing through the night thing a little bit easier to accomplish because no one ever told me to expect that my vag could ache for a really long time and moving would be super interesting for a while. 
there was just no way I could get up and down and so often because I was in so much pain. So it was a positive to have her in our bedroom after all. Most of the days I just spent it holding the baby because I didn't have a choice and I just watched Netflix. I wasn't staring into her eyes or thinking about how lucky I was. I was just like, yeah, this bites, but I'm having fun watching Harry Potter and Gilmore Girls for the millionth time. The Rye parenting philosophy was like, be totally in the moment while nursing your baby. This is a caregiving time and you need to be attentive. And I was like, uh, I hate this. Sorry, not sorry. But I'm just going to chill and distract myself. But I felt really passionate about being a respectful parent. And I felt like a true failure at not only respecting or loving my kid, but at being a person in general. I took it really, really hard. When my husband went back to work... I pretty much lost all semblance of chill. I couldn't watch Netflix anymore because she was becoming distracted and she stopped napping and it was just bad. My patience was no more. I definitely lost my cool, had to walk away a lot while she cried in her bassinet and I cried hysterically in the bathroom. I felt myself becoming so enraged by her crying or not sleeping when the precious little sleep chart said she should. I thought about literally just dropping her on the floor a lot. And in my head, I didn't think it would have been bad or harmful, but it would have like shocked her into not crying or something. I never did. And I'm so thankful I had the wherewithal to just set her down and walk away when that happened. But I still felt it. And that wasn't love. That was rage and what I now know to be depression and nothing like anyone ever told me I would experience. I really didn't think I would be the mom that hated her kid, but I really hated her. I wasn't patient, I didn't feel respectful when all I kept thinking was shut up or what's your freaking problem. I was so ashamed of myself for being me and for thinking that I could possibly be a parent. I felt constantly that it ruined her life and my life. So as she got older, I baby-proofed my house, much to the annoyance of my mom, who told me that I was setting myself up for failure. And that felt especially bad because I was already failing in my mind, and now I was just failing harder. But I was a nervous wreck, and childproofing was necessary. I committed the ultimate sin and adjusted my life to the nth degree because of my child's birth. I ate every single meal while holding her for seven months, I stopped seeing my friends. Most days, I didn't even leave the house or talk to another person beside my husband. I wasn't the mom going on leisurely walks because Seattle construction was really popping off and it was always loud outside and the baby hated it. And I had so many intrusive thoughts about things like cranes falling or buses running onto the sidewalk. And it it just seemed like a really bad idea. I didn't go hiking or get out in nature because I was afraid of her getting hurt or like crying the whole time or encountering a cougar and getting us both killed. I didn't go camping because campgrounds have quiet hours and those words and baby don't go together. Plus, I mean, babies require a lot of stuff like diapers, a million changes of the clothes, somewhere to sleep, and I had no idea how to make that work. There was just no way in my mind to maintain a sense of self, let alone what I had known until that time as normality, when my life 
had to, in my mind, revolve around my baby. And then I felt like more of a failure because I just couldn't hack parenthood and everyone else could still be themselves. And I was just too stupid to figure it out. I was weak and I thought that it was hard when it really wasn't. It's no surprise that if I couldn't make the most basic task of leaving the house a possibility, that I couldn't do all the other things that I was supposed to do too. I tried to get her to take a bottle, but she just wouldn't. I admittedly tried half-heartedly because of the whole breast is best, nipple confusion and formula shaming nonsense. If I was going to do anything right, it was going to be breastfeeding because that was literally the only thing I felt like I could actually manage to do right in everyone's eyes, and I wasn't about to jeopardize the one thing I had going for me. I did every feed at night and pretty much stayed within earshot of her during the day because I was afraid to so much as check the mail thinking that she would be screwed if she suddenly became ravenously hungry during the five minutes I was gone. I swaddled her because she liked to be swaddled and would flip out and just scream if she wasn't. So there I was, not doing things the right way yet again. I was not parenting the way I expected to. I was doing everything wrong according to my mom, the internet, the Rye philosophy, and myself. But despite some of the things I was clearly doing wrong in my eyes, I did get some positive feedback for the things that I was doing right. I was a good mom to hold my baby all night because she wouldn't sleep otherwise, even if it meant I was only getting sleep for one hour per 24. I was a good mom to put her every want above my own needs. I was a good mom for giving from an empty well. I was a good mom for pushing my sadness deeper within myself to spend my day smiling at my baby. I was a good mom to not mention my scary thoughts or how upset I was with my life. It took me until well after I was out of the infant stage probably closer to two years, to realize that most of my expectations were based on a set of ideals that aren't always attainable based on the circumstances. Rye parenting, for example, is something that appeals to stay-at-home moms and stay-at-home moms who likely aren't battling severe anxiety and depression. They're the ones that can be there for literally all of their baby's caregiving times and spend most of the day having quality time with them. Hiking and camping all the time is more doable when you're not suffering from anxiety. It also helps when you have a car and don't live in the middle of the city. Having a partner do night feeds only works if your baby is willing to accommodate your desire to not have the boob always available. And that further only works if the breastfeeding person can tune out the shame and fear associated with things like nipple confusion and formula feeding and can find time to like pump a bottle. There are some things that I wanted to do but couldn't do because of my baby, like just randomly go out at night or go to the gym. And there were societal ideals I couldn't live up to because of my own temperament, my own personality, my mental health issues, and again, the needs of my baby. Some expectations, unfortunately, were rooted in gender norms and misogyny. The expectation of endless sacrifice, especially. It was okay that I didn't sleep or see a doctor or run an errand alone because sacrifice is quote-unquote part of the job. It was okay that I shoulder all of the responsibility 
of giving because my husband already worked hard outside of the home for our family. And it was especially important for me to do just to show him my gratitude. If I wasn't sacrificing, what was I really doing? It was okay that I let pieces of myself die because they would serve as fuel for the development and happiness of my child. It was more important that everyone else was happy because it didn't matter if I was, and it was simply just part of my job description to be upset, but somehow get this deep sense of fulfillment seeing my children and family flourish. What I wish I could tell myself, and what I would tell any new parent or pregnant person, is to not get attached to ideas and be willing to let things go, and know that doing so doesn't mean you're failing at being a parent, If anything, it means that you're willing to compromise and adjust, which is really what parenthood is all about. I wish I had known that when things feel really hard, maybe it's because it is really hard, and it's not just a character flaw. I wish I knew that postpartum depression can be masked to oneself by feeling like you're suffering with something caused by you not being able to handle responsibilities, or it was thanks to underestimating the demands of parenthood or not planning enough. I wish I knew that feeling intense rage and anger could be the way I primarily experienced depression rather than just crying all the time. I wish I internalized the idea that respectful parenting has more to do with the way that one views children and isn't a prescriptive set of rules to follow. I also wish I had the wherewithal to reframe some of the principles of respectful parenting to align with what we know about children. For example, after spending 40 plus weeks in a cozy womb, many like the feeling of being swaddled, and by swaddling, you're respecting where they are in their development. I wish that I hadn't personalized so much of what people said and thought that when I wasn't able to accomplish what they did, I was failing. I was just a different person with a different baby, with a different set of challenges, and what works for some might not work for others. I wish I knew that having a uterus or having a certain personality does not mean that parenting or respectful parenting will be easy. For some people, it might be easy, but I'd say those people are the exception, not the rule. It's hard to navigate the change that having a baby brings when you go from having freedom and only caring about yourself to having to accommodate another person. It can be really rough. I wish I knew that while some sacrifice is part of parenthood, like you may have to say, stop diffusing essential oils day and night, selflessness or self-sacrifice is not It's okay to consider your own needs and to give yourself permission to put yourself first. It's okay that your baby cries for five minutes while you check the mail. It's okay to leave the house to get a haircut and expect the other parent to just figure it out. It's okay to ask your spouse for help, even if they work outside the home. It's okay that you consider your needs and not just your baby's. You can be respectful and considerate of your child, but not to the detriment of yourself. I wish more than anything that I knew that sometimes love takes time. You might not love your baby instantly, and that's okay. 
if you have depression, you might not love your baby for a really long time, and that's also okay. Furthermore, you're not a bad person for wishing that you hadn't had a child or for missing your old life. Three years in, and I still miss my old life. I love my child, and I can finally say I'm pretty happy with her in my life, but I was also happy without her in my life. I also really want to say that you're allowed to say how you feel without having to remind people that you love your kid, like I just did. Some people might say that I'm making parenthood seem miserable, and to them I'd say, what's so bad about admitting that it can be? We draw a lot of attention to the good parts of parenting in our society because society wants people to keep reproducing, and you don't get tons of babies when you talk about how terrible it can be. But I think that it would help child-free people know that they could be getting themselves into something that they don't expect and what they might not expect when they're expecting. And for those of us who have already become parents, talking about the hard stuff can eliminate shame or even call attention to the idea that maybe you're not just a bad person and a bad parent, that maybe you have postpartum depression or maybe you're struggling because it's inherently a struggle. I hope that people aren't miserable when they have their babies. I hope they aren't depressed or stressed or find themselves unable to tune out the expectations surrounding them. But for those that are and can't, I hope they know that they're not alone, that millions of people all over the world are having a hard time too, and that a million people who came before them felt the same and kept rising to meet another day. And on one of those days, things felt even just a little bit easier. I want to end this podcast by reciting a poem by Langston Hughes, which helped to remind me at the end of a long day that I made it, and I could still keep making it, so long as I still kept trying. And it's called Still Here. I've been scared and battered, my hopes the wind unscattered. Snow has frizzed me, sun has baked me. Looks like between them, they done tried to make me. Stop laughing, stop loving, stop living. But I don't care. I'm still here. Join me next week for a conversation about perinatal depression.